This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Bravo. Here's the title for our message this morning. It is titled, The Manifold Grace of God and the Believer. Now, we've studied at some point and we've looked at the fact that God's grace is manifold. Well, another word you can replace manifold with is multifaceted. So God's grace is multifaceted. And we need to understand what that means and what that looks like so that we know how to apply it in our lives, how to believe and trust God to manifest in our lives. Now, question, where would we be without God's grace? Think about it. We would be lost on our way to hell probably, and we would have, we would have no idea of redemption, of forgiveness, of God's love, nothing like that at all. Would you agree? I mean, that's what God's grace does for us. Isn't that so? I would hate to think my life on this earth as it is without God's grace. That would be tragic. Wouldn't you agree? It sure would be. But then there are many believers who think that grace is just for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you saved. And so they think that that's all that grace is. And is that all that grace is? We need to understand that there's a lot more to the grace of God. When we left South Africa to answer the call of God to come to the United States, one of the things that the leaders in the church that we were a part of, that we directly impacted, we were pastors over them. One of the things that the leaders did of our group that we pastored, is they, uh, they knew, because I had told Helena, so they obviously asked her, you know, what can they get for me as a farewell gift? And so they knew that I've always wanted, my mom, my parents, I've always wanted a Swiss army knife. You know what I'm talking about? Those things are expensive. I mean, you can get one for $19, but it's not the real thing. And it doesn't last very long because the materials that they use are cheap. But if you get a real deal, trademarked Swiss Army knife, you're looking at least at $500 plus. And so they have different levels of these knives. You know, you have the one that has the 10 gadgets that pop out of it, like a little pliers, a knife, a little saw, a little screwdriver. And then you go and upgrade and you have a little magnifying glass and then you've got all these little gadgets that come out of it. I mean, it's this little thing, and all these things pop out of it. You'll you know what I'm talking about, right? And so let me show you a picture, in actual fact, of one. This is a basic one. The super-duper models have a lot more than this, at least two, three times more. And so my heart's desire was always to have a good, solid, loaded Swiss army knife. And so what happened is, is that when we were leaving South Africa, the leaders of our group got together and collected money to buy me the top-of-the-range Swiss Army knife. So they really went out of their way to get it for me. And so they gave it to me, and I, 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 I cried because I couldn't believe it. I thought, I've always wanted this, 
And here they give me this beautiful thing, and I'm thinking, I'm going to treasure this for the rest of my life. I was so excited about it, so when we left, I didn't want to pack it in my luggage because that's how much I value it. And I found out later that if, when they x-rayed my luggage, if they saw it, they would have taken it out anyway because it was during the time of just after 911 and all that, so they didn't want any risk. So I carried it in my carry-on luggage. Big mistake. Because during the time of 911, you know, it was after that, but it was all still fresh, you weren't allowed to carry anything that would pose danger to the passengers on a plane. And so here we go, and we say goodbye to our families, and we're having this emotional moment. And as we get to security, they ask me to open my carry-on luggage. And they see my army Swiss knife. And guess what they say? I'm sorry, sir, you can't take that with you. Now, we've already gone through all the checks. I can't go back out and give it to one of my family. Because they're probably already all gone. This is like 30 minutes after we've said goodbye. And so my heart just sank. I'm sure Helena must have looked at me and saw the blood drain down. I looked at him and I said, you're kidding, right? He says, no, sir, I'm sorry. He says, I cannot let you take that in with you. I said, can I go and give it to someone? Can I call someone from my family? No, you can't go back out. You've already been cleared. You've already gone through the check, the x-ray, everything. I said, so what are you saying? saying, you can either leave it here but you can't take it with you. So if I left and took it back, we would have missed our flight, and everything would have, you know, I mean, you know, it costs money to get back on a flight and all that. So with a sunken heart and tears in my eyes, literally, I took it, and I looked at the agent, a young man, and I said to him, would you like this? I had no choice. And of course, his eyes lit up, and he said, of course. So I gave it to him. I said, here, it's yours. And we boarded the plane, and I was sobbing over two things, leaving my mom and my family behind and leaving my Swiss knife behind, my Swiss army knife. One of the reasons why I so treasured this Swiss army knife was because it was multifaceted. I've always wanted something I could carry in a singular thing with access to anything and everything. So I could be everyone's MacGyver superhero. How many of you know what MacGyver is? God's grace is multifaceted, way more than the Swiss Army knife is. You can't put a price tag to it. And what I want to illustrate to you with this is, is that, yes, we can treasure something like that deeply, But how much more should we treasure the grace of God because it has multifaceted abilities for us? And I'm going to show you that today. So let's have a look. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. From the Amplified. Watch carefully what it says. We're familiar with this one. It says, Just as each one of you has received a special gift. So do you have a special gift? Do you have a special gift from God? Guess what? You're part of that grace. You're in there. You're one of them. You're one of those tools that is unique. So just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God. See, you didn't do anything to earn or deserve it. This is why we know that we're all different. 
we look different, our fingerprints are unique, our DNA is unique, but also the gifts that we have, the abilities that we have, there are certain gifts and abilities that you and I have that are uniquely given to us by God. Only you can do that. Only you can fulfill that role. Only you can express that part of the grace of God. That's what this is saying to you. Do you realize that? And a lot of times we take it for granted. It goes on and it says, employ it in serving one another as is appropriate for good stewards of God's multifaceted grace. Can you see how God is painting the picture similar to that of a Swiss army knife? It is multifaceted. It has many purposes. It has many gifts in it. Many things that it can do, but it's still one. In the same way, what God is saying here is, is that you and me are part of God's household, part of God's family, but yet we are unique and we express part of that multifaceted of God. We are one of those facets of the multifaceted grace of God. Do you realize that? It's powerful, wouldn't you say? Then it says, faithfully using the diverse varied gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. So do you have to earn or deserve it? No. Just like the tool makers, when they put a specific tool in that army Swiss knife, that tool didn't go and pray for hours and trust God for a gift, nothing like that. The moment that it was made and put in there, it was there for that purpose. In the same way, God gives you with special talents and abilities that only you can do. And you're part of that. So you are an expression of the grace of God in a specific way. God's grace is diverse. In other words, it has variety. In other words, it has many attributes. It is multi-sided like a diamond, you could say. There's a diamond with a light from the top shining, so you can see it's multi-facets. Look at that. That is a beautifully cut, polished diamond. And even if it wasn't cut and polished, diamonds still do the same thing. How many facets do you think there are in that diamond? You can't even count them. Look at the bottom how it's reflecting. There are so many, and each one turns the light into a different color and reflects that color through it because it's multifaceted. Can you see that? It tells us, that verse that we just saw tells us that God's grace is similar to this. It is multifaceted. Try and picture that. I mean, this is probably the closest picture I can give you to help you understand and see what God's grace looks like. It's like that. God's grace has so many aspects to it. It has so many attributes, so many diversities. And you are one part of that. But then there's more beyond you. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, I would never get bored of looking at something like this. And you can turn it a little bit, and there's a variance, and a whole new picture comes up. So this gives us an idea of what God's grace is like, what it looks like. So God's grace is not only abundant, but it's also diverse. In other words, it has many different or differing aspects and expressions. True? When you naturally flow with a gift God's given you, 
It is an expression of God's grace. Right? You see, think about human beings. Every human being is different. There isn't a single person besides you who has ever existed, who exists now, or who will ever exist in the future that will look like you. Do you realize that? No one. No one's ever going to look like you. They may come close, but they're never going to look exactly like you. They are never going to have your DNA makeup. They are never going to have the same fingerprints as you, ever. Isn't that amazing? Now, God did that with us physically. Can you imagine what he does with us spiritually? And that's where God's grace comes in. See? Because as we've seen, we are expressions of his grace, of his multifaceted grace, as we see in that diamond. So not only do we have unique attributes and characteristics, but we also have unique abilities and talents. Isn't that so? And also, we have spiritual gifts. But who is the source of it all? God is. Amen. And then, on top of that, we look at nature. Look at how diverse and complex nature is. But yet, it's complementary to us, and it's beautiful. Right? God's grace is similar. And then, of course, you look at how God's grace works and manifests in our lives. It's amazing. Can we receive divine healing without grace? Can we be forgiven of our sin without grace? Can we have wisdom without grace? Can we have protection from God without grace? Can we pray without grace? Can we breathe without grace? Grace is there all the time. And it's there like this diamond in multifacets in our lives. And you know, when I was putting this together and studying it, I thought, God, why are you showing me this? Why are you telling me this? Because he said to me, you are enjoying but a fraction of my grace. And I want you to enjoy more of it. And I thought, wow, yes, sir, that's what I want, right? So God's grace is not limited. And it is also not one-dimensional. Aren't you glad about that? It is rich, it is abundant, it is diverse, praise God. Amen. And it's more than able to touch every aspect of our lives. Did you hear what I said? It's able to touch every aspect of your life. Every vantage point of God's grace reflects a new aspect, a new insight of God's gracious nature. Let's put that diamond back up again. Look at that. Every single one of those little facets reflects a different aspect of that diamond, right? In the same way, from every vantage point of God's grace, it reflects a different aspect and insight of God. So, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to show you, or I'm going to just remind you of 10 of those aspects. We are barely going to touch the surface. But I think by going through these 10, it's going to give you an idea just how much grace is in your life and how God wants you to make the most of the grace that you have. Okay, here's the first one. Romans 3 verse 24. 
And I want to show you justifying grace. One aspect of God's grace. One facet of God's grace. Do you realize that there's specific grace for justifying you? Did you hear what I said? Just like the Swiss knife, when you pull out, if you said to me, I need to cut this, I, I don't know how to cut it, what tool am I going to pull out of my army Swiss knife? The scissors, right? I mean, it's pointless me pulling out the nail uh, cuticle pusher or whatever, whatever it is. You need a scissors, right? Or a knife. So I'm going to pull out the little scissors, right? In the same way, God's grace has all these facets that work specifically in that area in your life. Justifying grace. Romans 3 verse 24. Watch what it says there. Being justified freely, how? By His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what do we identify there as far as the facets of grace? Justifying grace. Do you see that? So there is specific grace that puts you in right standing with God and makes you and, and tells you that you are just as if you've never sinned before God because of His grace. That grace alone does that in your life. Justifying grace cannot do something else in your life, but there is justifying grace to justify you. Have you tapped into that? Yes, we have. When we received salvation, we did that, right? Here's another one. Growing grace. How often do we want to grow in the things of God? There is grace for growing. Did you know that? 2 Peter 3 verse 18. But grow in grace. In other words, while you're in grace, you get to grow. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So there is grace for growing. So if you feel like spiritually you've reached the place where, God, I want more. God, I know there's more. Tap into that growing grace. In other words, I, I can't earn it. I can't deserve it. But it's made available for me and it's specifically to help me grow. So there's grace for you to grow. So do you have to try and labor and work hard to grow? You can if you want and you should put your effort into it. But ultimately, you should trust growing grace to help you grow. What about stabilizing grace? Number three. Hebrews 13, verse 9. Watch this. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines. Watch what it says next. For it is a good thing that the heart be established. How? How, somebody? With grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have occupied therein. The meats that it's talking about is people who try and live by the law. And look at what it says. It says that grace establishes you, but also grace stabilizes you because it prevents you from being carried away by strange doctrines. Do you see that? So there is grace to keep you stable. And I'll tell you how I've applied that in my life many times. I love watching things that educate me. I like being educated. This is why I'm not a big fan of Hallmark movies. And I know there's a place for that. I know sometimes you just want to have that in the background and just, you know, la-la land stuff, whatever. 
But I like to learn things. But here's the danger with learning things. There are great programs on television that are documentaries. But some of them are based, use the basis of evolution as their discoveries. Then there are those who base everything on aliens. And it's so easy to just suck it all in and begin to question your faith and everything else. And I've been down that road. So whenever I watch something, number one, I have to learn to chew the meat and spit out the bones. But I can only do that because of God's stabilizing grace. So when I'm watching that, I, and immediately I, I sense something comes in, and I'm thinking, I'm going to start questioning everything. I say, Lord, help. thank you for your grace that helps me not be swayed and stay, but still get educated. It works. Because there was a time, I'll be honest with you, many years ago, where I really thought, maybe this is all just an illusion. Maybe these alien theories are correct. And Helena will tell you. And then I also went through the Hitler phase, because I watched every possible documentary on Hitler. Because I was amazed, and I still am, by his leadership. How can a man have such power over people that he would get them to kill millions in the name of whatever? And I wanted to know, because I want to know about leadership. But my heart, I'm telling you, I had to fight my faith because it was the devil trying to steal my faith. And it was only stabilizing, establishing grace that kept me on the path. What about this one? Edifying grace or building up grace. Acts 20 verse 32, the first part of that verse, watch what it says. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his Grace, which is able to build you up. So what builds you up? Grace. Whenever you're down, whenever you want to know more about the things of God, whenever you may be feeling depression, whenever you may be discouraged, what do you tap into? Grace, the unmerited favor of God. In other words, God, I'm having a pity party. And I'm having a pity party even with you because you're letting me go through this. But even though I'm foolishly having a pity party with you, I still know that your grace is there to build me up and help me get out of it. And you know, just like any good parent, any loving parent, God ignores our foolishness and still builds us up. What about this one? Number five, inheritance giving grace. I didn't know what else to call it because that's what it, the best way to describe it. Inheritance giving grace. Look at this. You'll see what I mean. It's in the B part of the same verse we just read. So let's read the whole verse. Acts 20 verse 32. Here it is here. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. We've discussed that already. There's building up grace, right? And here it comes. And to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So what does grace do? It gives you inheritance. In other words, there is grace. There is an aspect of grace. There is a specific design of grace that helps you realize and discover who you are and what you have in Jesus. 
So you can see your inheritance and then live in that inheritance. And only grace can do that. Because it says it's a grace that gives you that inheritance. Right? I mean, I think about my relationship with my mom, who's no longer with us. She would tell me, I love you. And it's a broad statement. And I knew that she did. But then I think back of all the little times and little things she did for me. She stayed up with me when I was a little boy and I was scared of the dark. She got up in the middle of the night to give me a snack because I was hungry. She would wake me up early in the morning and help me just get ready for school. Then she would help me learn how to ride a bicycle without training wheels so my other friends don't tease me. You see all those facets of love? Well, it's the same thing with the grace of God. It's all those facets that he makes available just for that specific area of our lives. And I think if anything, that's what I want you to walk away with today, to understand and realize whatever you face in your life, whatever you're going through, there is grace for that. Just like there's a nap for that, there is grace for that. Think about it. There's an app for everything. Whatever you face, there is grace that. Number six, strengthening grace, or you could say empowering grace. Sometimes we feel real weak, don't we? Emotionally, psychologically, physically, we just want to pick up. We just want strength. Guess what? There's grace for that. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, watch this. Thou therefore, my son, be strong, what does it say next? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So how does strength come? By grace. Can you see there's another facet of the grace of God. Isn't that beautiful? Number seven, fruit producing grace. Now this is talking about the gospel. Watch what he says in Colossians 1 verse 6. Which is come unto you, talking about the gospel. As it is in all the world, now watch this, that bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, watch what it says next, and knew the grace of God in truth. So what causes you to enjoy fruit in your life? And what causes you to, to produce fruit in your life? Grace. Grace Fruit-producing grace. So sometimes you may think to yourself, God, what am I doing? I feel like a waste. I feel like I'm wasting air. There's no purpose in my life. Well, guess what? Maybe you just need to pull out the fruit-producing grace and thank God for it working in your life. Number eight, are you ready? Ministry-developing grace. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, the first part of that verse. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, says Paul. So what made him who he was as a minister, as an apostle? Grace. So this is what we, why we call it ministry developing grace. Can you see that? So if you know there's a call on your life, and we all have a call, you know that we all have a purpose, we know that now. But if you're not sure how to develop it and how to let God use you or how you want to go to the next level, well, tap into that ministry developing grace. It's another facet of the grace of God. 
Number nine, you ready? Laboring grace. 1 Corinthians 15.10, the second part of that verse we just read. But I labored, he says, more abundantly than they all. He's talking about the other apostles. Yet not I. What, what does he say next? But the grace of God which was with me. Isn't that laboring grace? Oh Lord, I can't wait until 4 p.m. It's been such a long day, I'm so tired. I'm tired of working. And then after this, I have to make food for the family. And then after that, I have to go fix the yard. And then after this, that. And then I have all these other things to do. And then I still want to work out and enjoy myself, you know, take care of myself. Guess what? There's grace for that. It's called laboring grace. Amen? Number 10, the last one. And as you know, these 10 are but the surface. There's way more. Look at Scripture and you'll see it all over the place. Now that you are aware of the facets and you've looked at the diamond, every time you read and you see grace, you're going to see another facet of His wonderful grace. He has victory grace. Or you could say sustaining grace. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. This is God speaking to Paul when he was facing the challenge with a thorn in his flesh. Do you remember? When he was being attacked and persecuted. Watch what God says to him. And he said to me, that's God to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let's focus on the first part. My grace is sufficient for you. Isn't that a way, a way of God saying, victory is found in my grace? Grace has the victory you need. Right? Grace will sustain you through this. Isn't that what he's saying? So guess what? There is grace for that. So when we face certain challenges in our lives, when we are in the midst of something, guess what? There is grace for that. This is why the Apostle Paul so often closed his letters with the following words. I want to challenge you when you have time. Go look it up. Look at this phrase. And look at phrases similar to it that he uses. It's all over his letters. And here it is here. I'm going to show you on the screen. He said, and he closed his letters this way. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now, was it because grace was not with him? No. If you study this, and I did, what he was saying is, may every facet you need of God's grace additionally be with you. That's what he was saying. Because he didn't know how, what each, each one of them was facing. But he said, I know you can disgrace for that. So may God's grace about that be with you as well. Does that make sense? And just to settle it, let me show you the number of places where this exact greeting or farewell is found in his letters. Here's the list. Romans 16, 20 and 24. That phrase is there. The grace of the Lord be with you. 1 Corinthians 16, 23. Galatians 6, 18. Philippians 4, 23. 1 Thessalonians 5, 28. 2 Thessalonians 3, 18. Philemon 1, 25. And there's a whole lot more. Because Paul had a revelation of the wonderful, manifold, multifaceted grace of God. So you need to live in that grace. Amen. Don't forget, if you remember anything today, 
There is grace for that. Did you hear what I said? There is grace for that. Remind yourself that next time. Next time you're facing something, you're going through something, something comes up, there's grace for that. Tap into that grace. Amen? You see, grace is found in Jesus, and it becomes more and more real in our lives as we discover who we are and what we have in Him. Amen? So we should seek to tap into every aspect of God's grace so we can live in the fullness of it, if that were possible. Isn't that so? We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.